Archie Leach. Darling. Darling? Yes, dear? Is a lawyer <laughs> who's in love with a thief <sighs> who's hiding the key to a small fortune. To 20 million. From a killer called Otto. Are you totally deranged? Fredo, old chap. A crazy called Ken. And only a fish called Wanda knows where it is. Where are the diamonds? A fish called Wanda. Hello, Wanda. Rated R. Starts Friday. Check newspaper for a theater near you. This was Wanda. really the prequel to WandaVision, wasn't it? There's, yeah. there's a direct connection. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> she would be, after she retires from her superhero, she decides to be a master thief. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. she's a master thief and then realizes she's a superhero. And She was the fish, though. So, well, Wait, I, isn't that Jamie Lee Curtis's name? Isn't it one? She, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and the fish are both called both one. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Jamie Lee, not the fish. Damn oh, it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it is Valentine's Day right around the corner, and there's lots and lots of love around the studio. David, what's ha- what? What have you decorated for for this holiday? You're the holiday master here at Re- Reconsideration. What would you decorate? Uh, I've got the. Uh... Well, I got the the Spider Man animatronics uh, redone as cupids, so they're they're still shooting webs and spinning around the the lot, but they're dressed as cupid and they're they're uh, they're throwing candy hearts at everybody. So yeah, everybody that yeah. walks by just they get stabbed with a candy candy they're, heart. They're throwing those hearts a little too hard. Yeah, kind of hurts. I, I might dial it bit. back, but they're, I really wanted them to make an impact on the holiday. Yeah. So all you see is a bunch of broken candy hearts on the ground. Broken yeah. hearts everywhere. It's yeah. There's a metaphor there. Yeah, so, somewhere. Yeah. I'm somewhere. trying to say something, um, <laughs> but trying to keep the the spirit of the holiday. <laughs> We're yeah. celebrating Hallmark's greatest holiday. It's it's their number one holiday of the year. Love is in the air. <laughs> All right, and welcome back to another episode of Reconsidimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we are dialing it back to 1988, of which we've covered, I feel like, a lot of movies from 1988. But we're going to take a look today at a fish called Wanda. Oh. All right. Let's do it. Not Not a movie that is widely discussed anymore but we're going to break it down here and we've had a lot of love we've had a a lot of paul newman love all through the month of january with newman new year we took a look at the hustler the color of money and the hudsucker proxy then we recently took a look back at three men and a baby a lot of baby love there and now here we are it's Hmm. uh, one of the greatest romantic comedies of the 80s and all right our number one lady returns to the show to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. I've known sheep that could outwit you. I've worn dresses with higher IQs, but you think you're an intellectual, don't you, ape? That's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's back. Nice. Lady Jamie Lee Curtis. That's uh, welcome back. Yeah, in not a horror movie. 
which, yes. <laughs> finally, which is her first appearance in the show, not in a horror movie. <laughs> that is that is true. Yes, we've covered <laughs> quite a bit of her 70s our, and early 80s horror films. She's our lady of October. <laughs> now she's the lady of February. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to have Jamie Lee on the show as always. And and this is. I don't know this. I've got a, we talked last week about three men and a baby and how I've got a soft spot for that movie. This is going to fall right in line with that one. Um, what do you guys uh, what, what's your early memories? Fish called Wanda. Brent, what was the first time you saw it? You know, I remember when it first came out, it was like really popular, a lot of word of mouth, you know, a lot of buzz. I didn't see it in the theaters. I, I wasn't like insanely um, like drawn to it in any way. Like I remember the first time I ever really like aside from hearing about it and knowing that, you know, that it was popular uh, you know, I, I think it was out on, on uh, cable or, or I was at, over at a buddy's house and his parents had rented it and we were like playing around and, they were watching it. And so I just kind of saw it on my, in my periphery and was not really paying attention to it too much. Uh, and it wasn't really until um, I worked at video impact and I was like, you know what? I need to finally see this movie. Like I remember people talking about it so much and it's supposed to be this great comedy. And, you know, like I was kind of getting more familiar with John Cleese and the Monty Python group and stuff. And I was like, I got to check this out. Right. So uh, it wasn't until then. So those high school years, you know, like probably early nineties that I saw this for the first time and uh, you know, loved it. I mean, I like, you know, Kevin Klein is great. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Cleese. Um, they're all awesome. Uh, I was less familiar with Michael Palin, Palin, but yeah, uh, yeah. but I love his character in this. I mean, he's probably uh, my favorite. My favorite bits, I think, are the ones that kind of revolve around him. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was it. That was really like kind of high school, but it wasn't something that I went to like back to like over and over again. Like, I think maybe since I saw it for the first time back then, you know, I've seen it just a couple other times, mm. one of them being when we were getting ready to to record. So. Yeah. Interesting. It's uh, kind of similar for me, but David, what about you? Yeah. I hadn't seen this for years. I mean, back in 88, I mean, like as a, as an eight-year-old, I didn't see the appeal to this. Like, yeah, sure. It looked like a funny movie Wait, or you whatever. Didn't? Like, but like, it's like these adults doing adult things and it's kind of, and it's a little British and I'm like, eh. like, you know, I stayed away from it, but like, I remember there was a buzz about it and like my older siblings who, would been, you know, late teens, you know, I remember they, I think they wanted to see it or they had seen it or, or, you know, it might've been rented at a certain point, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Right. So I didn't, you know, I ignored it largely. Uh, even though I, like, I recognized Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis and John Cleese and like, but it just, it didn't, it just was not for an eight year old. Like it wasn't for me. Like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't remember when I saw it, it probably was, it's probably sometime in college. I, I remember. And I was like, Oh, I get it now. <laughs> like this. And it's, it was fun and, and uh, you know, and funny and, you know, really, you know, you know, I get it. I got the appeal so, suddenly, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, this, because it, I couldn't, 
I couldn't fathom have having watched it at at that young age and like liking it at all. But like you know, I just I wouldn't know. Um, and so because it doesn't it doesn't I don't know if it has like anything so outrageous. Like I mean, there's obviously like interesting moments, but it's very like Kevin Klein's performance is very like very subtle and fun and extremely funny. And like and Michael Palin is like is hilarious. I mean, they're all really good, but like you know his is largely based on like you know <laughs> the stutter that it's a uh, you know it's not making fun of that like i think he you know he's he either he was a stutterer or his family members were stutterers or something like so it was it was mining comedy from like the frustration so it was of, of yeah. like you know this thing that is a difficulty for a lot of people but um i think his father was the stutter oh, okay remember yeah. quite, correctly but you know, so but yeah, but like, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, seeing it later, and then I, I think I've seen it once or twice, and then I, it's been a long time, and then I just watched it for the the podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's I don't really have like a big like place in the my shelf for a fish called Wanda, like, mm-hmm. but it's very good. Yeah, I was curious. You know, I hadn't seen it in a really long time, and I was very curious to see how I felt about it because I loved it so much. I, I did see it as a kid. I did not see it in the theater, uh, but I saw it in 1989 and it was a part of my grandma collection. So, but it was a, yes. it was a VHS viewing, not a theater viewing. So uh, my, the, so the grandma collection is, as we talked about on three men and a baby films that I saw with my grandma, which ranged all over the place. We, we watched a lot of movies together. Usually they were on the more violent side, but uh, some, some kind of knows how to throw down. She sure does. Well, look at this. This was on a, this was on a VHS videotape shared with steel Dawn. Does anyone remember go. that Patrick oh, yeah. Swayze film? That, that hell. Yeah. I used <laughs> to love that movie. <laughs> post-apocalyptic yeah steel dawn yeah. patrick swayze's mad max yeah oh, like wow. he's got a beard and a, like a bandana or a headband Ooh. or something yeah yeah um, if you if you haven't seen steel dawn i kind of want to now you <laughs> might have to go to the junkyard to dig it out of i don't think you can find it anywhere but really? it's, it's totally worth checking out oh yeah Especially it's, if you're a Swayze fan. So you yeah. did Red Dawn and then you did Steel Dawn. Red Dawn That's right. and, and the sequel, Steel Dawn. <laughs> yeah. The, oh. uh, so the, I think there was no better movie to share a videotape with for a fish called Wanda than, than Steel Dawn. It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. It's a, it's, <laughs> it says genre, science fiction, action adventure, kids and family rated R. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect uh, uh, classification. <laughs> Oh my God! It's about oh, it's about water, water wars, water yeah. uh, gangs. They predict right. the future. Jesus, because that's what it's like right now. But that's I, re- I remember the 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 cover of the VHS for that reminded me an awful lot of Running Man. Like yep. I feel like it was just mm. yeah, those Swayze's like, like r- face with like a red silhouette kind of thing going correct. on. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's it, it's kind of ingrained in my. And my memory. Mm. Well, maybe we should. Maybe this summer we should talk about Steel Dawn. Bring that back maybe. to the forefront. We need the sways. We need the yeah. Swayze. We need we more sways. I yeah. think. I think that's a fact. I think we have to consider you guys. You guys have children. Um, which side of the water wars they're going to be fighting on? When they're that's right. true. So, so we should do. To, we have to we should do it. Prepare. We must prepare. <laughs> yeah, we should do a Red Dawn Water World 
red steel you know, dawn <laughs> double feature yeah triple yeah steel feature. steel sorry steel dawn Waterworld double feature. Go ahead, throw Red Dawn in there too. It's it's the. There's prequel. never a bad time for Red Dawn. You might yeah, as well never. just start telling your kids they're gonna have to fight a war uh, yeah. over resources. Yeah. eventually. Yeah, <laughs> gonna happen. It's uh, coming. But uh, I I really loved a fish called Wanda as a kid. So this was I think my first exposure to all four of these actors. Because like just growing up, I always associated them with a fish called Wanda. That was like, you know, I hadn't seen any of Jamie Lee Curtis's horror films. I, I saw Trading Places somewhere around here. Um, Kevin Klein was totally new to me. So was uh, John Cleese and Michael Palin. England is a fine country. Kevin Klein's performance just really just made, just cracked me. I loved it as a kid because He's sort of an action star, but he's hilarious too, and he's also an idiot, and it, it all worked for me. Um, but you know, Kevin Klein—he doesn't get a lot of like notoriety for being like a comedic actor. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he was great in this. I think he was nominated, may even won. He won uh, an Academy Award for his performance. But I recognized him even before this from Silverado, which is is a comedy and I, his character is not necessarily like what's driving the comedy there, but like, he's still got great moments. Is that, it a comedy though? It's, I, I mean, think, there's, there's lighter parts to it. I, I, I never, I haven't seen it as a comedy though. I always look at Kevin Costner's character and I'm like, how is that not meant to be? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not, but I mean, if you like his character for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would have to go back, but there's like, I feel like there's definitely comedic scenes in that, sure. like specifically, like t- like built around a punchline. But mm-hmm. I do think that you're right. Like the overall like driving factor, it's more like a western, like you know, land baron battle type thing. But like yeah. there is a lot of comedy kind of ingrained in there. And Costner's character in that is is a hundred percent, I think, there for comedy. That being said, Kevin Klein's character is not, but I still kind of feel like it's comedic. Yeah. So, you know, but um but he could definitely he could definitely do the comedy, that's that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, but that's soap not what dish. ever what he was recognized for. Yeah. yeah. Well, soap dish, you know. Uh In and Out. In and that's Out. A, that's a comedy. Dave is yep. a romantic comedy. Dave, yep. He's pretty the, good. Uh, I, I was just I was just curious, like how I, I didn't see this one again until I don't know, probably 20 years later, at, you know, somewhere around there that it was just within the last few that I watched it again. And I, I was kind of nervous because I didn't want to lose my love for it. And it totally for me, completely like I, I think I love it even more. I just had so much fun with it. It, it wasn't it was a, one of those r- feels like a rare movie that I could just completely just let go and have a good time with and not overanalyze it and not um, nothing really takes me out of the movie. And there's also nothing that sort of ages it, you know, there's nothing that's really makes it a super eighties movie other than a little bit of the, you know, the usuals, the hair, the wardrobe, but um, there's nothing that really like says this is an eighties. I mean, it could take place at any time. Like you could do that movie right now. So uh, Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, very interesting film. And it was, it, I hadn't really ever researched it. And it was, it was, 
interesting hearing sort of how it came together and, and the process of it, because it was a really lengthy sort of prep for this movie. Did you guys, really? yeah. Did, did you guys aware like how long, like they, Charles Crichton, who was the director was a sort of legendary British uh, filmmaker, but he had stopped making features in like 1965. So he had pretty much strictly done TV for like 20 years before this movie really came around. And he and John Cleese had known each other and were, were wanted to work together as early as 1969 and just never really, whatever project they were talking about never, never came to fruition until they, in 19, I believe it was 1982 that they first started really collaborating and writing a script and, and they based the whole thing off of uh, the Ken character and <laughs> someone who had a stutter that had to pass along information and just couldn't do it. <laughs> and that gave birth to everything else. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, are you guys, so let's talk, I, I kind of want to do this where we just sort of look at the four cornerstones of this movie and talk about, we'll talk about their backgrounds and, and where they are coming into this movie and then sort of like where they are today and what, what happened to their careers after this movie. But are you guys Monty Python fans? Where do you stand there? Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a Monty Python fan, although I'm not someone who can quote it, quote them and their movies that, that well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hardcore, <laughs> but I've always enjoyed Monty Python and the, the, the flying circus was, was so awesome to, to watch uh, episodes of that, you know? So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in team Monty Python, but that, yeah, that's I, all I can say about that. I mean, I, I'm kind of similar. Like I, I love the Holy grail and life of Brian and all that, but I, Beyond that, like, I, I don't think I saw much of the Flying Circus. I wasn't like a huge follower of Monty Python. Uh, I think the biggest influence Monty Python may have had on me was Terry Gilliam and like his directing and Time Bandits like that. You, that was kind of the earliest, you know, I mean, Time Bandits is one of those movies that I remember from really early on, you know, and I think just Terry Gilliam's directing style and a lot of the movies that he's done have been kind of movies that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, so that's been the biggest kind of post Monty Python takeaway and, and where I'm at on that. But like, I never really followed them that much until I was introduced to them in high school, you know, and that's when I saw Monty Python uh, and the Holy Grail and then found Life of Brian, and, you oh. know, got interested kind of in different ways, like with, trying to follow up and find John Cleese movies and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we sort of, by the time we got tuned into film, Monty Python had almost long been broken up as a group or, or I, they wouldn't really break up. They just sort of went their separate ways. There was no, as far as I know, there was no, yeah, like, they, I mean, they still work together. Yeah. They, but yeah. they would like pop up in each other's work, you know, yep. like they partner and stuff like that. But as like the full group together doing stuff, like I don't think, you know, they were all kind of doing their individual things and they'd bring, you know, their friends in on occasion and they do stuff and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, there was like that whole, the troop per se was, was not really together as much in that yeah. regard. 
Yeah, I, I didn't find out till I, I knew nothing about Monty Python when I saw a fish called Wanda for the first time. I, I didn't really learn of them till like you, Brent, till high school. And then I was like, oh, those guys. Oh, I get it. They're like actual kind of partners and friends. So um, but I, I went through a big like anti Monty Python. My my uh, my friend Brian at the time in high school loved Monty Python. And it was sort of like the more he loved it and referenced it and did the jokes like the less I wanted, the less I was interested about it. <laughs> Uh, no matter how funny it was, I would not give it a chance. Yeah, the, the Monty <laughs> Python's refused. biggest fans ruined Monty Python for others. It, not not ruin it, but like it, they, it can be off-putting, right? Yeah, because yeah, it, I think they yeah. have their own little language, you know, <laughs> like the hardcore people. Right, and nothing against them, but like it is, it's 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 off-putting when you're not familiar and you're just like you know, if you just want to kind of get into it or whatever, and you, oh god, if you're not quoting. The nights that say knee or whatever the fuck like you're you know there's you're not you're not good enough you know yeah so you know but it, again that's just depending on your level of of you know your interest and intimidation of of getting into a nerd sphere because even back then it's like nerd like you guys are film nerds but like you're still sort of that makes you sort of highfalutin nerds you know like money python well they're highfalutin it's still like beloved by every level <laughs> i yeah. think you know yeah i think the thing i think the thing is is like getting introduced at when when at least when i was introduced to monty python it was one of those things where if you told somebody who was a monty python fan that you'd never really seen anything from monty python it was then now their responsibility to make sure that you watched Monty Python with them, which they'd recite almost verbatim, word yeah. for word. Yep. And like, you can't just like simply sit there and enjoy it. Like they're trying to turn it into like a Rocky Horror Picture Show event where they're like acting everything out. And it's like, dude, just let me let me watch this thing. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Yeah. So that's how that's how that's how it always kind of felt to me. But now it's I, it's got to calm down, right? Like, I mean, Monty Python so much further from the zeitgeist than it was back in sure the late 80s yeah, yeah now, now it's like you've you've sort of have to show it to people just to keep that it of uh, that kind of comedy afloat and and it's to me that's comedy that ages really well i'm most of it there, there's some things that don't age but those the, it's just really really intelligent deep thinking humor you know, th those guys, I, I can't remember if all of them went to Cambridge, if that's where they met, but at least some of them did. Um, and it's just, it's just not your average comedy. It, it's, it's definitely, you got to work for the joke. Uh, like there's a joke that's obvious. And then there's jokes that are much deeper that you have to find that. And I, I appreciate that now. I, sure. I saw Holy Grail. I waited until I was further away from from uh my friend brian and and removed from that situation then i finally gave it a shot and i loved holy grail but that was all i watched in college and then after uh my wife actually sat me down and was like no you have like you have to watch meaning of life and life of brian and i did and just absolutely loved him meaning of life is like one of my favorite comedies it's just again just so i think it's just genius but uh, all of that came later. So at this time, I had really no idea who Cleese was. Uh, I think I, I had seen 
I remember being very young and seeing Silverado, but not rem- I just remember images of it. Like I remember Goldblum was in it and and uh, Kevin Klein and Cleese and Danny Glover. And that was kind of almost it. <laughs> but I couldn't remember like what happens in the movie or what it was about. But um, so I had known a, that of, of Cleese, Michael Palin, I didn't know at all. Uh, and then Jamie Lee, she was, you know, a celebrity at this point. So I think, again, just sort of knew of her and Halloween for me came afterwards. But uh, but yeah, I John Cleese uh, is just he's, I think, really great as the, the, the really starting as the straight man in the movie. And then he sort of kind of comes around. And as he Archie Leach breaks his shell, breaks out of his shell that you see kind of another side of him. Yeah, sure kind of becomes the hero yeah yeah it's uh i think a really just strong story arc for that character there you know as far as the romantic relationship between uh wanda and archie like i really i really think it's a strong story that they they really have a good arc that they're starting from one point and by the end they've completely changed who they are and found and fell in love with each other kind of it's just a sweet romantic comedy in that way Right. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't a lot of hijinks along the way. A lot of hijinks. Yeah. yeah a lot that's of hijinks. for sure. You didn't necessarily see it coming either. You know, in the story, you don't see that that might have been the ending. Yeah, it's got. I mean, this movie's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of action. It's got a little bit of suspense. It's got a ton of comedy and a little bit of just the right amount of drama. But it keeps it all like you're laughing almost the entire way. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it begins where they're where where Kevin Klein and Michael Palin and Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, oh, I forgot the actor's name, but they're you know the the ringleader of their the, they're a group of thieves. Yes, and they're planning to steal thirteen million dollars worth of diamonds. So you sort of get your action scene with the diamond heist, and then it's just sort of a everybody's sort of double crossing each other. And it's it's kind of just a cool weaving of of those characters. I guess Ken, the Michael Palin character, isn't really double crossing anybody. He's just sort of stuck in the middle. Yeah. But just seeing all the other actors and Jamie Lee and Kevin Klein kind of, you know, go sort of toe to toe. It's uh, just really, really great chemistry between everybody. Yeah. At least those top four. I mean, like it seems everything plays really smooth, really well. Everything builds right. All the characters are like obviously caricatures of certain, uh, you know, story story types, and you know, it's uh, really well done. Again, I think the Michael Palin character and his bits are probably my favorite in the in the movie. Like his sort of, you know, he's a killer, but but uh, an animal lover, and yeah. you know, the whole time he's trying to kill the old lady you know and he's killing the dogs like that whole like any one of those scenes i think is just absolute gold you know like i love all of that yeah he's he's uh he's so he's so lovable really it's hard to buy him as as an assassin i know (laughs) but uh you know you see that side of him that is that animal lover and how devastated he is every time he he accidentally is killing all these these this witnesses dogs and he's trying to kill her, but for one reason or another, each of the dogs gets killed separately and he's just devastated. 
Yeah. 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 It, it, the, the, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great bit of like that fragility that he holds for, for the animals uh, that that's his big weakness. And it just, that's, he can't kill this person and he keeps killing animals. Like, and you get like, and just the, the, it's so silly how the dogs die. <laughs> like he, yeah. Oh yeah. He, he sends a, you know, a junkyard dog to kill the woman and it just scoops up one of the little, yeah, it just keeps going. and then he's gone. <laughs> and then the other one gets flattened by, his car and like they 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 show you a like a flattened, a flattened yorkie yeah you're yorkie, like oh my god like, oh my god it's and then just the way the way and the way they kill the third one with just that thing that comes and covers like that's like that's, that's all practical like yeah there's a dog there and they like you know just it's and it's just really funny like it it's very silly and funny i don't know how, i love it this and like you know it's not played up to like this cruelty to the animals. Like, you know, it's, it, there's a, this difference of like, you know, obviously like harming animals in reality is obviously like a very repulsive act by most humans. Most humans have more sympathy for animals getting hurt than human Absolutely. beings. But it's just so um, over the top, like yeah. the way, yeah. the way they're dispatched and his reaction <laughs> to each one like as it happens yeah yeah like, like he's just sh- like how how did that happen like, yeah that's the thing it's so over the top and cartoonish yeah that and you know because you know and it's not real and it's not it's just there's just something to to like the, the, the comedy is somehow like heightened by all that like right it's just so absurd and silly so uh poor ken i uh, poor ken. I, I always felt like as far as Monty Python goes, that Cleese was sort of the face of it, maybe Eric Idle a little bit, and Michael Palin was like the heart of it. You yeah. know, that he was, you know, not always out in the forefront, but sort of so essential to every skit that he was involved in. Yeah. And and kind of the same, that same dynamic kind of works here, that Ken is like such a, they're all integral parts of the story, but he's just, He's just so entertaining and, and the stuttering, you know, we mentioned earlier that, that he got that, that, that was a story point for the original script, but he had a connection with it because his father had a stutter. So he knew how yeah. to really do that performance really well. And then that there was such a, the initial negative reaction to the portrayal of it, but then what ended up happening uh, uh, was that so much attention was brought to it that he actually, I think created a school for it that, you know, helped deal with, with, uh, you know, people who have stuttering, I don't want to say disabilities, but the, their, you know, issues that they have with it. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. So it ended up, you know, I, I think it's, I, you know, I, I don't have the name in front of me, but his name's like on the school. Wow. Hmm. But well, that's, uh, cool. that's neat. Yeah. That, that, the scene where, so the diamonds that they steal end up getting moved. So Kevin Klein, you know, Kevin Klein's Otto and Jamie Lee Curtis's Wanda were planning to double cross everybody and steal the diamonds for themselves where the di- they find out that the diamonds are not where they're supposed to be. And then it's sort of a cat and mouse and trying to figure out where they are and who actually has access to them, which leads them to the Archie Leach character, who is the lawyer representing uh, the leader of their group while he's on uh, on trial and then it just everything starts interweaving there but um, the scene where Kevin Klein tortures 
Michael Palin is like sort of the scene, the central scene of the movie. Wake up! Wake up, blimey fish! We could have a lot of fun together, you and I. And I think it would be really good for each other. When you think about it. I, I remember so much that being like such a big part of what st stood out to me. And I, I had such a hard time with it as a kid with the animal, you know, stuff that's going on, the dogs being killed, and then the poor fish being eaten as <laughs> just yeah. really bothered me as a kid. Now it, to me, it's hilarious, but. Uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, he ends up eating an entire fish tank yeah. <laughs> like, to torture him. Just with to Wanda being the last fish. Yeah. So yeah. Ken's beloved fish that he cares for so much as we see him feeding them and talking to them. He loves those fish that Otto is trying to get him to reveal where, where the diamonds were moved to, which he, I don't think he knows. Right. Uh, he learned it later. No, he knew by that. point. Oh yeah. He knew by that point. Yeah. Yeah. He knew by that point, but he didn't know originally, I think. So he only had the key suppose, you know, the Kia, which went missing pretty right. quickly, but like you know, uh, so yeah, it all comes, it all comes together toward the end there, where everybody's, it's a race to get those diamonds. But he's he's Ken is tied up, he's got French fries up his nose, mm -hmm. he's gagged, and he's also got the stutter on top of it, which is worse when he's around people he's uncomfortable with, mostly being Otto. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how does Otto? think he's going to extract any information from this guy <laughs> and he's torturing him by eating all his fish sadly including wanda hmm. it's a heartbreaking we're going to dedicate this episode to it's tragic to, to wanda. tragic scene <laughs> <laughs> um, but just just brilliant performances and the chemistry between the two of them uh was so was so fantastic uh let's let's circle back to to kevin klein now Oh, you English are so superior, aren't you? So this was sort of a surprising casting choice at the time because he really mostly was known for his serious dramatic stuff. You know, he right. did Sophie's, Sophie's Choice, choice. which yeah. there I, I don't know if there can be a more dramatic movie <laughs> than that one, a heavier movie, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Deer Hunter, maybe Schindler's List, but maybe that maybe. same same ballpark for sure. Yeah. And then he also did the Big Chill, which is not like, you know, like that's also a serious movie about you know friends coping with their with a with a close one's death, right? And yeah, so, adult friends and and yeah. uh, written by Lawrence Kasdan and directed by him too. But and Silverado was also a uh, Lawrence Kasdan film. So yeah. Kevin Klein Which is- like, I find to be a comedy, but I guess I'm <laughs> on an island. But I, I, maybe that's what sort of opened the door for it. But, um, you know, this is sort of almost slapsticky. This is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, like all of it is, the whole thing's over the top. Each of the characters is over the top. I mean, Klein's included. I mean, he's- kind of it's hilarious because he prides himself on he believes he's very smart but he's obviously not very smart at all yeah. as a matter of fact if you call him dumb he'll threaten you and <laughs> and you know threaten to kill you but like he's kind of you know he's kind of a in a moron you yeah. know in a, in a lot of ways and so i mean he plays it with such great 
finesse that it's it's really well done you know like it's he's super pompous and super bravado driven you know american assassin who uh you know thinks that he's more than what he is and uh you know like it's just really clever the way that that he portrays the character yeah you've got your obnoxious american versus your sort of stuck up british you know character with archie right uh but he's yeah i mean he plays it he plays otto so seriously that that's what makes the comedy stand out even more because he is he's he's an idiot he is like he does when they're going over the robbery in the beginning he's just not like you can see him just not paying attention and then, like yeah. it's, it's like oh like, yeah yeah i got it i got it uh tell me the one part about the police again like yeah, say, yeah. What's, tell me the middle part what's the middle part yeah um and there's so much it's almost like all of his dialogue revolves around his stupidity don't uh, <laughs> ever 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 call me stupid okay right or, well, hide, or hiding his stupidity right I, yeah hiding his stupidity but then like even when he's but then when he's threatening somehow all of his threatening is funny like there's something oh yeah there's such whimsy to the way he's threatening to hurt someone or you know or like and just or or he just when he's like try, like he's so jealous of uh jamie lee and, or wanda and like just like all that stuff i just everything is coming out like as though it's like he's just comedic the whole time yeah you know there's something that, i think it's just part of his charm right and it's like the tone is established early so it's just sort of you're looking for you're getting laughs every everywhere in this movie um so he's just another part of that like <laughs> there's there's something joyous about his dumb dumb character <laughs> yeah and, and his uh <clears throat> the relationship between otto and wanda was at first you believe they're brother and sister but it's sort of an act that they're actually a couple that you know are are really like a team and they're the the you know sex scenes between the two of them are hilarious and apparently jamie lee had a very hard time doing those scenes because kevin klein was just cracking her up the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the faces he makes and the voices that you know it, it just it seems like this film was so much fun to make and that's that was like the tone john let me rewind for a second john cleese this is really his sort of his picture because he he wrote it with charles Crichton and they developed it together it took like four years for the for the writing process to you know to, for the script to really get finalized they cast everybody in 1986 and have all, almost two years of like read throughs and rehearsals and just adjustments before they actually start filming. Um, wow. Yeah. So it was a really long, it was like a six year process of getting to a, a filming point for this movie. Uh, so, and supposedly Cleese, like this is his favorite movie to have been a part of because he just made it. Jamie Lee Curtis said he was more like a tour guide was just so happy that everyone was there trying to set like a fun tone on set was showing everybody around when they weren't filming and just creating like that real sense of camaraderie, which comes across on camera with, with the way they all interact with each other. Uh, so just, uh, and, and I think he ended up, he ended up 
I, I don't, I think in the DGA, he got a co-director credit, but not a screen credit. Hmm. So there was a lot of concern with Charles Crichton from, from MGM, whether he could really direct this movie. He's, he was 78 years old and hadn't directed a movie in 20 years. So there was a lot of concern. So they wanted Cleese to step in and, you know, really make sure everything was going smoothly. And on the day it was, Cleese was like, no, this is Charles, Charles's movie. I'm not like, they may think I'm directing it, but he's directing it. So, so it all sort of ended up working out there, but, uh, and he took the, uh, Archie Leach name. Does anybody know where, where that name is in the pantheon of Hollywood? Sound familiar? Cary Grant. Something or other. That's it. So this was the closest he thought he'd ever get to Cary Grant. So he used Cary Grant's real name. Oh, that's Cary. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> oh, neat. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, Kevin Klein is, this is probably my favorite Kevin Klein performance. Like this is just, it's such a smooth, enjoyable character. That still feels like a little bit dangerous too. Like he does have that edge that, you know, he, he's clearly like a good shot and everything. And, and uh, you could, in an, another movie, you could see him actually being like a, a killer, but uh, he just did such a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him in this. Uh, and then that leads us to lady Jamie Lee Curtis who, again, another surprising casting choice. And this really is the movie, I think, that cements her as a A-list star. If you look at her body of work before this, Trading Places, so Cleese saw her in Trading Places and was like, "That's like that has to be Wanda right there. He saw the what she could do. You know, she showed what she could do outside of the horror genre. So he called her... <laughs> And she answered the phone and like almost immediately handed it to her husband, who's Christopher Guest, assuming that Cleese was calling for him (laughs) and like didn't believe it that uh, he was actually calling for her. But, uh, you know, we we took a look uh, back at a lot of her early work, uh, specifically with John Carpenter and Halloween, Halloween 2. We talked about the fog. And then sort of, she's sort of drifting through the rest of the, you know, that middle part of the 80s that there's a lot of other horror movies she's doing that that don't really have a lot of name value. Um, prom some, Night. Prom Night. Uh, terror Train. Is it Terror Train? Terror, uh, some, yes. Yeah. Prom Night is uh, hilarious. Yes. There is a dance sequence in that movie that may be my favorite dance sequence of all time. For uh, all the wrong reasons. I probably, I don't re- recall it. That I have not seen that movie in so long. But, uh, but then they start, you know, and she's spoken about it recently that, that they start to sort of sexualize her. And as she matures out of that sort of playing teenagers into her 20s, starting with trading places, you know, you've got, I think that's, is that the only movie where she, you know, does full frontal nudity or not full, but she's, she's topless in that movie. And Hmm. it's sort of unnecessary and felt like they were just doing it because they could do it as many, many filmmakers did, especially back then. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, I, I mean, to be to be honest, I haven't seen. I mean, between Trading Places and A Fish Called Wanda, I don't know that I've seen many of the movies that she's that she did. Like, I didn't. Did you anybody see Perfect? Well, that's that's the other one that uh, just just that that's a that's a gift that's out there and used all the time. That like <laughs> sexual like grinding uh, right you know, battle that she's having with John Travolta. So that's. I, I actually have not seen that movie. I would be very interested to cover it for this show because it's a, a movie that has always gotten really negative reviews. And I think oh. Travolta is like an investigative reporter who's doing like doing an expose on the aerobics industry. And she's an instructor. Because that needs an expose for right? sure. But everything, like there is shots that are just showing off her body and her movements and being super sexual with each other. Yeah, um, I have I have not seen that. I mean, between Trading Places and and Wanda, she did the adventure Grandview USA. Didn't see yep. it. The Adventures of Buckaroo uh, Banzai across the Eighth Dimension, which her scenes were all cut, so that's a bummer. Uh, perfect. Some TV stuff. Uh, Amazing Grace and Chuck. A Man in Love. Dominique and Eugene, and then a fish called Wanda. I literally have seen only the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. And she's not really in it. So, so between 80, like 83 is like sort of her last big hit. Yeah. 83 to 87. Like she's nowhere to be seen. Yeah. I mean, nowhere to be remembered. I should. So I I think, you know, by that portion of the eighties, like she's sort of out there as a celebrity and, and sort of public and you see her at events and parties and, you know, award shows, but like not really a part of it. You know, she hasn't really had that role, that breakout role that, that shows off what she can really do sort of, we've seen hints of it, but this film, this is the film that shows like she is a great actress and she's funny and she's clever and she's smart and, and, just all a well-rounded performance here that yeah. shows like, okay, now I can step into the rest of my career and I can do movies like blue steel. Yeah. Blue <laughs> steel, which, which is what she followed up. Yeah. A fish called one of it. Yeah. But. And do, you know, leading all the way through like true lies and, and the rest of her career. And, and, uh, and now she's sort of in a career renaissance and, and, in this stage of her life with, with the return of the Halloween films and knives right. out being so, you know, great performance there, but, but a lot of it, like you can point to this movie being the one that really uh, boosted her up to that level. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it certainly helped her establish herself outside of the horror genre, you know, even though I don't think she had done too much horror between trading places and, and uh and this movie like she was obviously trying to work her way out of it and this absolutely did it i mean again we mentioned it earlier on you know the buzz around this movie when it released was pretty significant like it was you know really well received a lot of people were talking about it i just remember it being like the thing everybody was talking about when it came out and i was too young to really like have it resonate with me, but I mean, every, you know, it was everywhere. Yeah. I, I just remember seeing the ads, the posters, like it was a cool looking poster. I remember seeing it in 
Premier magazine and and just all over. I guess they didn't really have billboards like they do in LA where I grew up, but yeah, you know, me neither. But there was posters all over the mall, movie posters, and and uh, yeah, I just remember the promotion for it that it was it was and it was building. We'll talk about that when we get to uh, box office glory. Yep. But um, do you think so? For just going back to uh, the auto character, could you guys have seen like I could see a total spinoff movie? of just Otto's character. I could, I could go for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that would, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think there's a lot more you could do with that character is just so entertaining and whether, whatever, whether it's a, maybe, Hey, maybe we should do a prequel, a fish called Wanda prequel since that's happening left and right these days, prequels and sequels and uh, the fish called Wanda cinematic universe. Let's, let's do it in that Aquaman. <laughs> nice. <Is it>? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it would be, yeah. <laughs> um all right. So speaking of sequels though, years later in what 1997, we would get Fierce Creatures, which I think based again, based on the, the poster and the it was always hinted that that was a sequel. It is not a sequel. Yeah, it's like a spiritual sequel, but it's, not an actual sequel. Yeah, and the poster is a is a is a sort of a redo of the fish called Wanda poster. But oh wow, uh, you know, and and they they did it because the four of them liked acting together, so they tried to just make a vehicle to get them back together. But should we have had a should or could we have had a fish called Wanda sequel, like a true sequel? I I think I would have, I could see it. I could see Otto like wanting to come back for revenge and somehow you work Ken back in because, you know, Wanda and Archie are together. Yeah, he could. It, it could be a jealous revenge story where he's trying to win Wanda back. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you get the actors together, but you don't make it a sequel. It was an interesting choice. I don't remember how Fierce Creatures did. I don't think it did that well it may have made money but i don't think it was the hit that this i mean it was was. almost 10 years after you know like that's a tough you know like that's a tough chunk of time to try and recapture the same magic you know like so everybody's kind of moved on nobody really you know like people are like oh yeah they did that movie together but yeah you know at that point the buzz has died down not as many people are talking about it. You well, lost if, your momentum. Yep. Yeah, totally. I mean, at that point in 97, I think Jamie Lee was sort of starting. I think she had her sitcom. She like, she did a sitcom for a few years uh, that I I didn't remember till a couple of years ago. I'm like, Jamie Lee Curtis did a sit like a network sitcom. Yep, she did. Hmm. Uh, so she had that and she wasn't. Uh, it may have been but- over by this point. The Anything But Love show? Yeah, Anything But Love, yeah. Yeah, that was from 89 to 92. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Really? 56 episodes, she played Hannah Miller. Wow. Wow, I thought it was like late 90s. Oh, Uh, Richard Richard Lewis? Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, that's a a great idea. (laughs) I I, I mean, I remember that show. I used to watch that show like back in the day. What an odd couple. It would come on. I feel like it. 
I thought it I thought it was on ABC because I feel like it came on like right after MacGyver. Yeah, it was one of the it was one and of the networks. Uh, yeah. And that's how and that's how I would see it. But I, I that could be revisionist history. I don't know. But I, like that's how I feel like I remember it. Well, and by 97, uh, you know, so I, I think she was doing she had more moved into start, but she started to do sort of mother movies where she was the mom. Right. My so, girl and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. After all that, like, so she had was in a different phase of her career. Michael Palin really wasn't acting any, too much anymore. Uh, he had moved on to his, all his documentary work. That's amazing documentary series that he produces and stars in and, or hosts and, uh, but wasn't really acting that much anymore. Uh, Kevin Klein was the big star at that point. Yep. And Cleese was just sort of, he was always a, John Cleese was like always around. Yeah. He's and, just like entertainment royalty. Like he just yeah. pops up whenever he wants. He doesn't, yeah. you know, like he doesn't. I mean, he good. ends up, I remember in like the 2000, the like mid 2000s, it felt like he was in everything because he was, he's doing, car commercials he was doing james bond movies he's doing harry potter movies so it was like wow what if only he touched like lord of the rings the star wars he would have had everything <laughs> everything covered well he said but, he did harry potter just because it was that was just going to be easy money for the rest of his life like yeah, yeah. you know nearly so, headless nick yeah and i think he was only in like the first two or three movies and then right you know, they don't feature him but like that's all you need like yep <laughs> yeah it's like that's an easy paycheck for the rest of my life like <laughs> you gonna live off just that probably um that residual but um, yeah gotta love that because that's not going anywhere yeah no no uh going back to a fish called wanda though what do you think about the plot do you guys feel like the plot makes sense looking at it now versus seeing it when we were younger do you feel like it holds up yeah, it's not too complicated and it's, you know, it's pretty simplistic and and, and, and and it just leaves room for a lot of like zany kind of, you know, door slamming farce comedy. Like, uh, So, you know, you don't need to complicate things to, to make it yeah. work. I mean, there is a lot going on, though, I feel like there is. I mean, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. There's, I'm not, yeah, true. Yeah. Like there's there's like three different stories going on all at the same time. Each Like each character has three different stories kind of kind of happening you've got yeah. john cleese the the lawyer type you've got john cleese the love story with him and jamie lee you've got john cleese the married guy with his wife and daughter who both don't respect or really like him all that much you've got ken who's you know off on his own doing the doing the the assassin thing and then jamie lee curtis like you know, putting up the front with auto try. I mean, it's just like, there's, there's a ton of different. Yeah. It's a lot of layers roots, roots going around here, man. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's, you're right. It's not overly complicated, but there's, there's kind of a lot to track, like all these like individual, like things going on, even, even Kevin Klein and, and Ken's, you know, like relationship and him and the bet and like him coming on to Ken to throw him off the scent. And, you know, I mean, yeah. there's just all this kind of sub stories happening within the main storytelling that is, you yeah. know. Uh, well, yeah, I don't mean to say like it was so, so basic that there's nothing. No, no, I didn't. But it, but it doesn't it doesn't work too hard to like cram shit in like every. Yeah, all these characters have 
multiple things going on so they're they're not like one note characters they're very like they're robust <laughs> you know oh yeah and, absolutely and jamie lee is is surprising not it, she's almost surprisingly charming because she sort of has to fit a bunch of different roles like for each of the characters she's bouncing off of and she she changes her her tone and her attitude and her like she's just very good at like without it seeming like she's acting you know like she's just right. she's just she's as charming as she needs to be for everyone that's around her you know and it's, yeah well like, what's amazing to me is that all these characters are i mean like i mentioned they're all over the top kind of caricatures of their things but they all have a lot of like depth you know which yeah. is like i think a really like difficult thing to get right and that's what they do really really well in the movie is like all these characters are just kind of goofy over the top cartoons of characters that you would see in other heist movies or other things like that but each one of them has just like these significant layers and depth to them that is really well portrayed by by each one of the the four cornerstones, I think, is what you called them yep. earlier, John. Is that right? The pillars, yes. Or the four pillars of <laughs> of fish called Wanda. <laughs> I mean, you can feel the the you can feel a history with each of those characters. That you can feel, and that's what really good actors do. They can bring a sense of history to their characters without having like we don't actually know anything about these sure. people's past, but you can sense it. Like you can sense that Wanda and Otto have had this relationship that goes back and they've done heists together and they've had, they have a past, but it's, but it's funny. They don't. Right. It just right? Feels like they've like only, they, yeah. they'd only been dating for what, like a month yeah. or whatever, like maybe yeah. two, I think they say in the movie, like, you know, but I mean, you're right. Like there's, there's like this, I don't know, like there's this, like you said, uh, uh, um, chemistry that yeah. just makes it all feel kind of, their interactions yeah like natural and believable you know like you know ken with the whole animal side of it that okay he's an assassin but what is it about him that where why this love of animals like what in his past has brought that out again and archie you know you see how you know his marriage is for show how unhappy and you know boring his life is it's so mundane and and well, it's just for show yeah like yeah. you said it's just for show right like right because he's a successful lawyer but his wife i think is the one with the really the money of the that's family. what he says yeah, yeah. The, the money's the money comes from her side right so and and what's interesting is you see this you know wanda is just using him to try to get the key to where the diamonds are but as you see them, the more they interact, you know, she gets very sexual. And, and I, I really like the way they use her sexuality in this movie because it doesn't feel too much. Like they don't show her naked. They don't, you know, they don't, they show John Cleese naked pretty much in a hilarious <laughs> moment. Super hot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that scene was hilarious. Her, her reaction to accents though is like, no, yeah. Again, just like yeah. what, like in what world, man? <laughs> like I don't know. I don't ever remember seeing another character who gets turned on by by accents like that. Not like <laughs> no, nope. Ecco l'uomo. Le due cupole grandi della cattedrale di Milano. Dove il Vaticano? Oh, 
but they're watching their relationship progress that, you know, at first it's just, uh, you know, it's a scam that she's running, but she actually sort of wakes him up and he's, you know, he's, they just, they connect with each other. They didn't realize like sort of what they're looking for, but they found it with it, with each other that, right. You know, she's looking for, you know, I don't, I don't think she even realizes that she's got this wild guy Otto, but what she's looking for is like a real good guy. I think she's looking for more sophistication, right? Sure. Like, I mean, yeah. Otto like plays himself as sophisticated, like right. reading Nietzsche and, and, speaking you know in accents that are you know like he's speaking gibberish he's not smart enough to know how stupid he is exactly well and he's like speaking in in italian but it's gibberish right like it's fake italian (laughs) yeah if you translate it it makes like no sense yeah whereas like john cleese like she's like don't speak you know like in italian and he does and he's like or i could speak in french if you'd like you know what i mean like he actually can speak several languages he's you know a respected uh, uh, I forget what's the what's the term they use in the in the movie for his position and in, in he's like a bar- barrister. Yeah, barrister. You yeah. know, and so it's like he's the real deal, and Kevin Klein is just kind of a joke, right? Like he's just kind of like you said, he's too stupid to know how stupid he is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. And yeah, like, and and, and now he's oh, go ahead, David. No, I'm just gonna say, Cleese's second accent was he was speaking in Russian, like Russian. Russian yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, I was like, what, what is a beautiful language? <laughs> yeah, so, so it's one but of the she, romance languages, right? But she, she that that got her going as much as the Italian, even more so than the Italian. So, yeah. Like, anyway, and it's, it's sort of that that like she re- she realizes that she's starting to fall in love with him, right? Yeah, right. and she's like awakened this whole other side of him but he's starting to break out of his shell and you know live a little bit and by the end he's like clever and spontaneous and sort of wild himself right well and he's found an out right like i think that he's obviously he's not like super jazzed with his position in life right like it's kind of boring he's kind of the whipping getting getting kind of beat up by his by his wife and not respected by his daughter and, and so- everybody if you look at everybody interacting with him in the beginning of the movie just they just despise him for no reason like he seems like a perfectly nice guy but everyone just like has so much scorn for him yeah yeah and so he sees a way out and he sees that you know like like he and jamie lee's character could get these diamonds and go off and like you know and have 17 run off, kids run off into the sunset you know <laughs> yeah so. yeah and he's actually smart enough to figure out a way to do it as opposed to Otto, who just sort of bullies his way around and yeah. and then you've got ken sort of in the mix kind of creating a monkey wrench for Otto. the end of the film uh the sort of chase through the airport like just that just i think it's just great it's hilarious it's you know the 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 ending for the auto character (laughs) stuck in the cement was like you could have that be sort of a brutal violent death and that was i think what it was supposed to be was that not brutal and violent but like he was actually going to die yeah as opposed to he's run over by a steamroller into cement and then we do see him like 
clinging onto the side of the plane yeah. as they're trying to take off. But yeah, I like I like that more than him dying. Yeah, I, I for sure. It's it's such a it's it's yeah. It's cartoony, but it's it's sweet and sort of fits the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's certainly less tragic, right? Yeah. Like, like Ken got his revenge, so he gets a sense of you know. I guess in a way, he definitely wanted to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, at least Otto didn't get away with it. Right. So. Right. Uh, there was a, there's a, there's a sort of a, a rumor out there that there was a, a, an audience member in uh, a Danish man who was in the theater. His name is Oli Benson. And supposedly he laughed himself to death in the movie theater during the torture scene of, uh, is that real? That, I mean, did it, we? That's, did we? It's a rumor. Did, it was have we confirmed. confirmed. Have we confirmed that? It was sources have confirmed it with the man's son. Really? Uh, I uh, don't know if that's true or not, but uh, supposedly he had. <clears throat> there was some kind of family story where he had like shoved stuff up his nose, and they had some competition, and he was calling back to that and. And just found it hilarious, and and he died of a heart attack in the movie theater. So, oh my god, who knows if that's true? I uh, don't, but it is a funny movie. Yeah, yeah. So funny it kills. <laughs> you put that on the uh, on the yeah. poster, mark it around that. That's right for the sequel. Exactly that we're gonna write to further. You know, this is meant to be a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Like every movie today. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So the, uh, oh, one other thing I love about the Otto character, there's so many little bits that he does that just crack me up and him always driving on the wrong side of the road. Like every time he drives, he's like, he, he like narrowly misses or hits like a car yeah. and then he curses them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the idiot driving on the other side of the road <laughs> yep but he yells asshole yeah <laughs> yeah and like he sings it so yeah like a sing-song voice asshole! um yeah like he just he can't get it like he's in england yeah, like he just <laughs> doesn't get the um they drive on the other side of the road there it just yeah. didn't doesn't put it together it's amazing that the police like didn't catch catch up with him and Wanda after the heist. Yeah, you would think. Because they're supposed to wait. Like the plan was, <clears throat> excuse me, they were going to wait 72 hours while the, uh, the police were going to watch the airports for 72 hours. And after that, there was sort of clear, uh, clear sailing. But nowadays, uh, that would never be the case. Yeah, probably not, right? Well, David, you just you just performed a, a diamond heist. How did it go for you? Uh, without a, it went off without a hitch. No one, no one even came after me. That... You shaved your beard. You, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was under. I was in disguise. I took, <laughs> but I most of my most of it I just stole from uh, uh, Quick Change. Okay, I took I took the plot from Quick Change. And, there you go. That's how I pulled off my robbery. <laughs> That's a movie. Quick change. 
have not Love seen that, that in forever. It's a great movie. We should uh, Gina and Bill. We should circle the... back on that one. I'm glad that came up because <laughs> Quick Change is fantastic. List. Yeah, big, big fan. Tony Shalhoub. Oh my yeah, god, right. Shalhoub. That guy doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves. He is fucking a genius. He gets a lot of TV credit, but his feature stuff, uh, he hasn't. So Yeah, not that Quick Change should be the one that everybody <laughs> should base his credit off of. Because, I mean, it, thinking of his character, it's a little insensitive. But he's great. It's hilarious. And the movie is brilliant. I love Bill Murray and Gina Davis in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the... Uh... Going back to Wanda, though, there was really only one thing that stood out to me as, you know, the movie not aging very well. And there's one of the scenes where Ken is tracking down the 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 lady and her dogs. He is essentially in blackface, kind of like Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places. Very, very similar kind of get up for him. Oh right, he's in the car. Yeah, he's in the he's car. He's got treads the threads, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I not mean, as emphasized as it was in Trading Places or, or other movies, but it's still there, uh, yeah. and it's it is brief. But uh, you know, I, I I think had the movie been made today, that would not have been a part of it. It was just I think it yeah. was just intended to just be he's in disguise. Yeah, so at a quick glance from somebody that you'd be like, oh, he a Jamaican fellow or something, you know, drove the car or something. And then it's not like he's even that dark. Right. But it's just, enough. Just well, shade. did he? Yeah, did he actually? He did actually paint his face. Bit. It wasn't just, he didn't just have the dread. Yeah, it, it, he does look a, a little darker. Not not that dark, but dark enough. Yeah, more so, a little more than a tan, but like, you know, hmm. yeah, it just, it's it's to to put you to that. You know, so yeah, at least you know, at least he wasn't affecting an accent or something like yeah. that, or you know, trying to. It's it was very much, but yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that today. It just no. there's an easier way to disguise a person and not have to go through that landmine of 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 you know, you know, dipping into offensive uh, material. Right, right. But uh, but really, looking back at it this time, that was it. Like everything else, I, I enjoyed very much. Um, I will my love for the movie continues. Uh, I will pass it down for generations. That <laughs> <laughs> all right? If you want to be in this family, you've got to love. Fish did you Ball watch Wanda. it? Did you watch it with the kids? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What did they think? They uh, they we actually had watched it a, a few years ago. They didn't watch it with me this particular time. Oh, I think okay. they would find it funnier. So we we had watched it. They didn't know anything about Monty Python. Since then, they have have a deep love for Monty Python. So I think watching it again now, just with Cleese and Palin, they would they would enjoy it. Yeah, got it. So their fandom, uh, their fandom. Yeah, their fan credit has risen. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about uh, let's talk a little box office glory all right the uh the film was shot this actually was a british independently produced film so that that mgm was really only the distributor on so this was uh there was a lot of concern about 
how this movie was going to do. A lot of the, the British produced films had not fared very well in America in, at this point in the 80s. So there was a little bit of hesitation on MGM's part. Uh, it was shot in London in the summer of 1987. It had a budget of $7.5 million. It was released initially on July 15th, 1988 in like 60 theaters. And it has a very slow rollout, but the word on the street that the critics loved the, the film, uh, everything was just sort of building. And so they just increased it week after week after week. So it, it so I guess technically it opened against uh, Clint Eastwood's The Deadpool, which is the last Dirty Harry film. Hmm. But by September 16th, so almost two months later, it finally hits number one. It took like nine weeks or something for it to, to hit number one, but it just kept moving up and up and up. Nice. And ends up with a, almost a $64 million domestic run. So a big hit right there. But on top of that, it was about 188 worldwide. So oh, yeah. Yeah. for a $7.5 wow. million dollar movie, that's, that's a massive success. Yeah. For Which, a comedy yeah. even. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ended up, uh, box office-wise, it ended up as number 12 uh, in 1988, right between Working Girl and Scrooged. Oh. Well, there you go. Scrooged only did... Wow. that's I forgot about that. Yeah. Scrooged was, you know... Con- well, that's still... A, those are good numbers for 1988. For sure, sure, yeah. Uh, of which, you know, we've covered a lot of films from 1988, which you can find in our archives at www.reconsideration.com. We've looked at Scrooge. We've looked at Die Hard. We've looked at Young Guns, which was David's, probably his favorite film that we've covered on this show. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> we covered Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting a couple, but, uh, you know, there's, there's still more to come in there. But, uh, and the movie ended up with, surprisingly three oscar nominations that year of which it won only one it was nominated for best director for charles Crichton, original screenplay for charles Crichton and john cleese and for best supporting actor for kevin klein which he won and it's his only oscar i think it's his only nomination and win of his entire career wow that's bananas which is crazy when you look at like all the work he's done that he's only been nominated and won once. Yeah. How about the wow? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's got wild, a... wild west. Like, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, west. maybe not that one. Yeah, uh, maybe not. But that is bananas that that's the only thing he's ever been nominated for. Jeez, he's never won anything. Except that, except the fish call Wanda. You know, there's a lot of great actors out there who have also never been nominated and never won anything. Yep, it's true. So the fact that he's got one trophy on that mantle, good for you, Kevin and Klein. It, and it's well-deserved, too. Yeah. You know, Kevin Klein did a lot through the 90s and then sort of disappeared for a while. And I feel like the last couple of years, we started to see him do uh, some more things again. But uh, want- he is... Yeah, I think, you know, at a certain point, he is married to Phoebe Cates. The two of them sort of stepped away from Hollywood, raised a family. And and now at least he is sort of stepping back in a little bit. But um, always great. 
performances. If we don't see him in the Marvel universe in the next three years, I'll be surprised. There, there's he's got to be he's got to be a villain, an MCU villain somewhere. You figure? I mean, if ever, yeah, they keep getting high profile stars from, yeah. from the beginning, and you know, Kevin Klein is that perfect kind of level of Hollywood and. You know, just if that you, that if he you should bring, be in a Marvel movie. Yeah, if yeah. you could bring Michael Keaton in as a villain, you there's got to be room for a little Kevin Klein. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but Michael Keaton is great. He sure. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Klein is great, but you're at that level. I get it totally. Yeah. Or like you know, you got you get your Owen Wilson coming in for a season TV, and, and yeah, you've got like you just you get and Robert with Robert Redford just showing up being a bad guy and you know sly showed up sly's in the marvel <laughs> yeah. universe technically of course kevin kurt, klein kurt bridges Russell. i mean like, come on don't don't leave out the best mm-hmm. yeah kurt, kurt jeff bridges. bridges i mean they're all yeah. they're all yeah they've it's got all the stars klein doesn't have to be a bad guy i just think he should show up somewhere yeah i agree so totally anyway. maybe maybe he could uh in the new Blade movie, maybe he could take over the Chris Christopherson role. Ooh, he should be that. an older Mister Fantastic. Oh yeah, oh. Def- I could definitely see that for sure. He'd or be great. Yeah, if they bring the X Men into the MCU, he could play. You know, he could be the new Magneto. Fuck it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we know he does accents. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. I've got one one bit of uh, useless trivia. Mm. You want to hear some useless trivia? Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of two movies. A Fish Called Wanda is one of two movies in 1988 that ends with a character being run over by a steamroller. Does anyone know what the other film is? Roger Rabbit. Uh, that wasn't 88, though, was it? Maybe. It is. You got it. It's yeah. Roger Rabbit. Is it really? Yep. You got hey, it. Hey, no Whoa. shit. That's total guess. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, Christopher Lloyd role being uh, run over in that film. But there you go. Did, did someone so, get run over with in the naked gun? Did, <laughs> I feel uh, like there is someone. Someone's. Yeah. Uh, is it run over by a steamroller or trampled <laughs> by a marching band? Oh, that, well, that's. I think that's both. I think that actually or, happens. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Is I that think 88? there might be. Yeah, that's 88. We're going to have to that's... investigate that. That is. Like, I think he falls off a building. And then yeah. I think a falls, steamroller. And then this, the marching band. The marching band steps on the watch, which sets off Reggie Jackson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. So there's three movies. <laughs> three. There we go. It's wow. funny because like I'm looking at other 88 movies and I'm like, there there could be a steamroller in the in Beetlejuice. You, you guys just <laughs> yeah, you right. you uh you each want a ten thousand dollar bonus check. Oh Woo. beautiful. Yeah. That's I want a, it. Can it be a gift card to Chili's? <laughs> if that's Recon how you want cin- it paid, sure. Reconcinabucks. <laughs> Reconcinabucks at Chili's. Reconcinabucks. That's it. Coin that phrase and yep. trademarked. Got it. You can find them right next to the tray of Monopoly money. <laughs> the re- where our faces are on different dollar amounts. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Or, or on, maybe it's all coin based. I'm on the $23 it's all crypto. bill. It's crypto, guys. Yeah. Come on. They're... Yeah. It's 2022 for <laughs> F's sake. Oh, boy. Um, so 
Fish Called Wanda. I I just I love the film. I think it's uh, a lot of fun. I think it's a great romantic movie. It's great comedy. It's uh, all all around just a good solid film. I'm gonna give it on the all new Reconsider scale. Is it all new every time we do it? Because what is I'm, I'm what are the rules? Trying this to keep time? it more simple, one to five. Because last time no, it was you, one to three, then we put it back at the one to ten. Is it one to five? What do you what do you guys want to do? One to five or one to ten? I want to bring back the how many Kurt Russells. All right. Well, I'm fine. <laughs> Whatever you guys want to <laughs> Dick do. Dick does not want the Kurt Russells back. That's and fine. that was that was mine. I, I never invented got to, it. I, I never got to participate in the Kurt Russells. That's ah, why. Okay. Well, sure just, you did. You didn't. You never uh, did the thirteen. Yes, you, you did. Been a while. Maybe. It's been a while. Maybe I did early on I think all right did. so let's go back to, to 13 10 so, is fine five, five is fine <laughs> i don't know why we're doing five but uh, you know 10 we've been doing 10 for so long let's go know. yes or no so, yeah, or thumbs fail. up thumbs up or thumbs down well let's let netflix this no, oh, no that's that's just too vague Let, let's stick with 10 let's make it officially 10 okay officially 10 thank okay. you you heard it here so for I'm the gonna, fifth time yeah <laughs> i'm gonna we'll see what happens next week uh i'm gonna give it I'm going to give it nine out of 10 goldfish. Wow. Nine out of 10 goldfish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. All right. what, do, what do you guys, what do you guys say out of 10? What, what, uh, what do you rank it? I wasn't going to go as high as that. I was thinking more like a 6.7, 6.8, maybe seven. I'll go seven, just straight seven. Make, yeah. make it a just make it a seven three seven four. Well, you, now you're making me go from a six seven to a seven <laughs> four. That seems like a large jump. That's a swing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm seven point one. There you go. Yeah, I'm like a seven seven three seven four though. But to be honest, like I was low 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 sevens. Yeah, yeah, solid, solid. I don't have the grant. See, I don't have the grandma factor with this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I understand. The, I understand yeah. how that that could play into this. Totally. But yeah, sure, I think sure. seven. It's a solid seven, even on a rewatch. You know, yeah. like I think it achieves no, what it has to. What it that's what good. It sets I, out to. I think you know, for for older films, anything above like really like a six is pretty good. So yeah. Um, we I don't have love- we don't have many movies on here that I think that we give them super low. I mean, well, we could get into look, Halloween 3 again, but... Oh, but we'd counter you on that, or I would at least. I know. Uh, oh, I know. You know, we, I think the intention of this show is to embrace these movies and see what we love. In looking at it again, we, we sometimes find stuff that doesn't work, but I don't think the intention is to, like, seek out bad movies or movies we hated to really, like, go back at them, unless there's a reason to. Season 75, and we'll just all movies that we didn't like. Might, might have to be by that point. We'll, uh, we'll see what's left. But. We'll have run out of good movies. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've covered everything else. But I, I think if, uh, you know, it's Valentine's Day, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. If you're looking for a good, solid, romantic uh, comedy to enjoy with your, your domestic partner or spouse or whatever, uh, you, um, I think you should give this one a shot. Let's let's everybody bump up those rentals on a fish called Wanda. All right. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. 
And uh, I wish you guys all a happy Valentine's Day. And everybody uh, listening, have a great one. And we are going to be back here soon with another episode. Uh, We've got a fun lineup coming up soon. And if you haven't checked out our recent episodes, don't forget to check those out. Uh, You can find us at uh, where Reconsummation Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and all all the socials. So find us there. Check out our archives at reconsummation.com. And a quick thank you to our friends, E.K. Wimmer for the theme music and Curtis Moore for the poster as usual. And uh, that's about going to wrap it up this week. You guys got any any notes, any last uh, final thoughts? Always great Uh, chatting films with you fools. Yeah, (laughs) good times. All right. Well, uh, we will see you guys next time on Reconsinimation. XOXO. Bye now. David, you going to give a happy Valentine's Day? Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) That was the most exciting. I can't even take it. You're (laughs) melting my heart. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.